Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Lift our hands and love the Lord. Would you do that? God, we love you today. We worship you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, God, for who you are. We magnify you today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. to the Lord today in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Lord in Jesus name the book of 1 Samuel the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 thankful for each and every one of you that are here today 1 Samuel chapter 2, reading with verse 25. I realize that you could be a lot of places on this Sunday, but you've chosen to come to the house of God, and I commend you for that. And uh, we're we're living in a day where it's cultural to not, and I'm thankful for a church that is still attending the house of God. Can you say amen? And... Uh, I heard a statistic, heard a statistic after 911 that church attendance went to an all-time high. How many of you ever heard that? Yeah. It wasn't long after it went to an all-time low. And we can settle on that, but the truth of the matter is, on any given Sunday, there is more people in a church building in the United States than all the sports events combined for a year. I think it's commendable. I think it's commendable. God bless America. Amen. And uh, I know that, that there is potential war and war that is going on right now. I do want to say that, um, echoing my wife, I encourage all of you, would love, please, would love for all of you to come and hear, hear the superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. It's going to be here Friday night. He is, a, he is a, an absolute amazing leader. He's going to be speaking about church growth and and where we are right now growing as a body and we're so glad that he's going to be not only in Ohio but he's going to be right here in Zanesville on Friday night, 7 o'clock our superintendent from Ohio will be here doing a keynote message it's going to be an amazing evening, a move of God and so for that we're very, very thankful um, this coming Wednesday night I'm going to show a video on Wednesday night of a message from, from uh, Myron Wideman who preached at General Conference it's a 12 minute message about prodigals coming home. And Wednesday night's going to be a prayer meeting. Following that, we're going to join in prayer, praying for those that have walked away from the Lord, that the great merciful hand of God is going to draw them back to the body of Christ. And aren't you glad He brought you back one day? So Wednesday at 7, we're asking you to come. I think it would be great in preparation for that, that you would make a list of names of people that you love, you care about, and uh, uh, that are in your world, that that the enemy deceived them and took them away. I mean, no, there's an attack of the devil. Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I pray for thee, that your faith fail thee not. 
I've come to preach to some people today, and I'll read the text and move on, but I've come to preach to some people that feel the attack of the enemy on your life. Those that feel the attack of the enemy on your mind. Those that feel the attack of the enemy on your spirit. I come to tell you right now is what Winston Churchill said with his most famous speech ever when he simply stood before that college and he said, Don't give up. You're going to make it. I come to tell somebody that's been struggling, you are going to make it. You are going to make it. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Woo. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 2, reading with verse 25. I'm skipping down, skipping down to the word. This is notwithstanding. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father. Because the Lord would slay them. Verse 26. And the child Samuel grew on. And was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Everybody say, Samuel grew on. Look at your neighbors and say, you're going to grow on. Amen, 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 amen. I want you to clap your hands and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a high praise. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I'll never forget the story that I heard many years about a prayer summit, a prayer summit that happened in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. It's a prayer summit where they brought ministers from all over to pray for our nation. One preacher and or politician after another would get up before the crowd that was there for this prayer gathering for our nation and one would say, our politics are in trouble. Another would say, would say our youth are in trouble. Somebody would get up and they would say, our economy is in trouble. Another one would get up and say that our world was in trouble. One person after another named the trouble that was in the world. They said a small statured man with dark skin stepped to that pulpit with a whole bunch of fire in his spirit. And that preacher stood before them and said, I've heard you talking about how our youth are in trouble. He said, I've heard you talking about how the politicians are in trouble. I've heard some of you talking about how the finances and economy are, are in trouble. He said, but I come to tell you, God's not in trouble. Can I say to you right now, God's not surprised by the war. God's not surprised by the things going on in society. We can see it in the book of Revelation. He's not surprised by the immorality. He's not surprised by the chaos in our society. God hasn't been dethroned because the devil knows what hour it is. Can I say that God's still on the throne? God's still in control? And God knows what can be done in the last days? I come to tell somebody, hold your hand to God's unchanging hand. He's not in trouble. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. When you begin to look at the text, you will find that Israel was in trouble. 1 Samuel chapter 2 describes the digression. It shows the, the demoralizing of a nation. It shows them so much because the leadership was bad. Eli, the high priest, wasn't where he should have been. He tolerated things he shouldn't have out of his own children that were in the ministry. And when he did, they were committing whoredom at the door of the tabernacle. They were still in the sacrifices. His sons were still in the sacrifices off of the altar. And when people would say, you gotta, you got to let this be the way the Lord wants it, they'd say, no, we'll just go ahead and take all of it. And uh, the the. The prophets would come, one by the name of Gad. He showed up to the high priest's house. He said, listen, God has sent me to tell you, you need to straighten up the sin that's at the tabernacle. Down at the, down at the tabernacle, you need to stop your boys from doing what they're doing in the ministry. God has sent me to tell you, stop it. And he didn't stop it. He went down and said, I've heard what y'all been doing, but y'all need to quit. And he didn't deal with it like he should have dealt with it. And when he didn't, the prophet came back and said, because you weren't willing to deal with it, I'm going to replace you with a faithful priest. I'm going to replace you with somebody that's faithful. And somewhere on the outskirts in another city, there was a woman by the name of Hannah. Where did Hannah go to? She, did she step out? I told you she was on the outskirts. Amen. <laughs> Hannah was out there and the and she, she, was, she was married and unable to have children. And she wanted to have a child so bad. And uh, I'll never forget being in Memphis, Tennessee. And I was praying. And I said, God, I'm getting ready to preach to some people tonight that I've never met. I'm in this city, never been to this church. I didn't know anybody in the building. It was a church that run probably seven or 800 people. And getting ready to do a youth revival there probably 15 years ago. And I'll never forget that I've met my knee in the hotel and I said, God, I don't know who I'm preaching to. And the Lord said, you're going to preach to a Samuel generation. I said, a Samuel generation, I'm on my knees at the hotel bed. And I said, I don't understand. And God spoke to me and he said, Hannah, he said, I caused Hannah's womb to be barren. That's what he spoke to me, Brother Alec, Brother Noah. He said, I caused Hannah's womb to be barren. Because I needed her to make a vow to me that she wouldn't raise him like other people were raising their children. Because I needed somebody that would stand for righteousness. I need somebody that would stand for my word, would stand for my truth. I had to get up off, that, off my knees and open the word of the Lord. And that's exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says, and she vowed a vow. She, he said, I needed her to make a vow to me. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden and remember me, remember me and not forget thine handmaiden, handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaiden a man child. I want a baby boy, she was saying. She said, thine handmaiden a man child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head, meaning he was going to take the vow of a Nazarite. He's not going to be like everybody else. He's not going to look like everybody else. A razor will not come to his head. He is going to be a Nazarite devoted and consecrated before you for the rest of his life. And she prayed so long she lost her voice. Can I tell you today that in the church should never lose its passion to see God want to change things in their life. 
Come on, you didn't come to church to fall asleep. You could have slept in this morning if that's the case. But we don't need passionless church services. We don't need passionless music. We don't need passionless prayer meetings when there's a world that is dying and a world that, yes, are having trouble. We need a church that's full, filled with passion saying, God, will you make a difference in my family? Will you make a difference in my children? Will you make a difference in my marriage? Will you make a difference? I come to talk to some people today that you are full of passion and you have been praying some prayers. Could I tell you, he heard every prayer you prayed and he's going to bring the answer not too long from now. He heard your desperate prayer. He heard the cry from your heart and he's not finished doing what he's going to do. Am I preaching to any moms and dads in the building that said, God hasn't given up on me? Amen, amen, amen. I come to preach from the abundance of my heart today to tell you. David wrote in a psalm. He said, I cried in my despair and he heard me. Can I tell you, we're not serving a God hanging on a cross. He's not buried in a tomb over in Israel somewhere. Oh no, he's alive today and he hears the prayers of his people. He hears the prayer. Am I preaching to any praying people in this building that you're passionate about what God can do? Somebody shout, he hears me when I pray. He hasn't turned his ear from you. He's watching you. And for some in the building, he's just waiting on you to get the give up out of your spirit. And to start praying again and say, God, I know the world's in trouble. Might be some trouble in the family. But God, what I do know is you're the one in control and you're the only one that can turn this thing around. So, Lord, I petition you from Zanesville right now. Send a mighty revival to our city. Send a great revival to my family. Send a breakthrough. Somebody shout amen. amen. The Bible says she vowed a vow. She prayed so desperately that she lost her voice. And the priest walked in, the high priest, Eli, walks in. He hadn't seen anything like this in so long. He, he, he'd been going to dead church. He'd been going to, 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 to uh, mediocre church. He'd been going to, 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 to just church. And he, 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 he walks in there, and there's a woman down there praying. And he, he's standing back judging her. He's looking at her, checking her out and seeing what she's doing. She's on her knees, and she's desperate. Her face is beat red. She got veins popping out of her head. She, 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 she's praying. Her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. She's desperate. And when he looks at her, he, he marks her mouth. Some believe that he, some believe in study that he watched her mouth. Others believe that he actually slapped her and said, how dare you come to the house of the Lord drunken? Anyhow, he said, what are you doing drunk in here? It had been so long in Israel that the priest had seen someone passionate, agonizing. Their world was being lost. People had stopped coming to church. It was chaos that was going on in the temple. Could I say it ought to bother us when people stop coming to church? It ought to bother us that three to 5,000 churches have closed since COVID. It ought to bother us that the average lifespan of a pastor keeping his role as a pastor is only five years. It ought to bother us when people are quitting and giving up in their faith at the last hour. Come on, it should bother us. The immorality, pulling the, pulling the Ten Commandments out of our courthouses, telling our kids they can't pray in the schoolhouses. It ought to bother us. 
where they can shut down church services and keep strip clubs open because it's more efficient than what we do. It ought to bother us. It ought to bother us when immorality is promoted and morality is condemned. But he said in that day, he said they're going to call good wrong bad and they're going to call bad good. It ought to bother us when the woman of the year is an actual man. It ought to bother us. And when he walked in, he had seen so many people passionless that was standing there. When he saw somebody, he thought there was something wrong with her. The truth of the matter is she was the only one that had something right with her. And it was, God, I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need you to do something in my world. I need you to make a change. Can I tell you right now, your barrenness is not God's absence. Your barrenness is not God walking away from you. Your barrenness is God waiting on you to make a covenant. What's coming out of my life? What's going to come out of this church? Is it just going to be like everything else in our culture? No, what's coming out of my life is going to be a difference maker. Their eyes are going to be towards you and not the culture. Their eyes are towards you and not the world. Am I preaching to any moms and dads? Am I preaching to any believers right now that said, I want God to do a work? Woo! I'm scared to the core because if you would go follow the old awakening preachers, they were preaching what I'm preaching right now. They were stirred down to their gut. They were stirred into their spirit. I'm telling you right now, God's not done with the United States of America. The greatest revival is around the corner. The greatest revival is at the threshold. God's about to do something amazing. Let me throw some what ifs out there. They're saying we can't pray. But what if God turns this thing around in the next few years that our schoolhouses and our school gymnasiums are filled with prayer meetings and revival services? What if God so fills our churches up with people that want the Lord and not immorality that we have to use our schools to house the people that are repenting and come to God? I'm going to tell you, God founded this country. Even every president that comes in lays his hands on the Bible and makes a swearing oath to be honest and right before the Lord. Can I tell you, I know America's had its troubles, but God is not finished with America. Come on now. I'm stirred to my, I'm stirred to the inside of me. I feel it, Sister Pam. I feel that fire that you were singing about. I feel an old-fashioned revival coming to our country. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. God, about to bring an awakening. If you want it, shout hallelujah. How many want to see altars filled? Baptismal waters troubled. Young people coming out of drugs and suicide. Come on. How many want to see an escape of depression and fear and anxiety and wounds and abuse? How many believe there's a revival of healing, a revival of miracles? Let me ask you a question. If this church closed, if this church closed and I quit, would you be mad or upset or happy about it? I'm not asking for an answer, but I'm just. Come on, if there was a, if it was a door on the outside of this church said, closed. Lack of commitment. Closed. Preacher gave up. What if that's the sticker that's on your house? It says closed. No more faith inside. Gave in to the pressures of the world. It's on every media channel. 
in between every YouTube clip. There's immorality and a pressure trying to push its way into your mind. Push its way into your children. Push its way into your family. Trying to separate you. Before you get married, the devil's trying to get you to be intimate. And after you get married, the devil's trying to get you not to be intimate. You know why? Because in both cases, it causes division. Oh, God have mercy. And to try to get in and to poison the young people. And that's exactly what you look at in chapter, chapter 1 and chapter 2. It, this, the, the entire story of Samuel written from 1 Samuel 1 all the way to 3 is written in contrast. What it means, it goes something like this. It says when, when everybody say Samuel. Hannah, I was preaching about you. See, Hannah, Hannah always shows up. Amen. She always shows up. Why don't you stand up, Hannah? It's, the, it's baby Rain's first church service. Come on up here. Come on up here. I want, one of the things I love about pastoring is sometimes I get to hear that they're going to have a baby before anybody else does. Pastor, we want to tell you. We're good secret keepers. And uh, yes, I do. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that amazing? Hannah makes a vow. Lord, I'm going to give him back to you if you give him to me. Now, this is a girl. Can't you see the bow in her hair? This is Rain and not Samuel. He's real content right now. And she said, Lord, if you give me, give me a man child, if you give me a boy, I'll give him back to you. Matter of fact, he's going to take one of Numbers 6 covenant to be a Nazarite. Now go to ever, there were very few Nazarites that Samuel was a Nazarite, lifetime. Very few were lifetime Nazarites, but Samuel was one of them. Samuel was one that his hair would never be cut his entire life. He was the last judge of Israel. And uh, God, that's why I don't believe in abortion. Because she was making a vow. And matter of fact, when Samson's mother made a vow... God said, he's going to be a Nazarite, so you can't eat of the vine because you can't take of the vine, you can't go to a funeral, and if a boy could not cut his hair the entire time of his life. So when she found out she was pregnant with Samson, this is, this is Samson's mother. Let me, I'll get back to Hannah and Samuel here in a minute, but she wasn't allowed to take of the vine. But you know why? Because the baby was in the womb. Do you know that John the Baptist received the Holy Ghost in the belly? That's why you need a vote against issue one. Y'all vote against it. Stand up and speak. Stand up and vote. Because we believe conception and life are in the womb. Come on, let the church say amen. Come on, if we don't open our mouth and speak, who's going to? Let the church be the church. I say vote against number two as well. Recreational marijuana. Every state, my land, this is random, but every state that has allowed recreational marijuana, drug abuse is up, crime among teenagers. It is a gateway. I've been in courtrooms where the judge makes the statement and said, do you not, he asked the guy when I was in there one time, he said, you doing drugs? He said, no. He said, I smoke a little weed. He said, don't you realize it's the gateway drug to every other drug? 
You acting like that's not a big deal. I watched, I watched the judge in town say it is a big deal to be smoking marijuana. Stay away from it. The church has got to lift its voice. I preached it for weeks on Sunday mornings at 10 is that Adam had authority when he opened up his mouth. And when the devil got in his house, the serpent at the tree, he remained silent. The problem in America is not the immorality. The problem in America is silent Christians open their voice about what they know is right. You know what she made a vow? You know what she made a vow to? She made a vow that I'm going to live a life that's going to guard what's in the womb because that which is in the womb is going to be from God. And guess what? All of a sudden she, she realizes, Honey, you're not going to believe it. Come here, honey. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry. I called you honey. Amen. Come here, Brother Tyler. I was speaking as you. <laughs> Delete that off of the video. Amen. This is a little awkward right now. We do believe, amen, marriage is between a man and a woman. Praise God. Hey, let's watch this. She goes and says, I'm going to have a baby. You can be seated. And the baby's born. Oh. And while she's holding it, she knows I don't get to keep him forever. Because God's got something to store for me. I'm going to have to take him to the house of God. She made a vow that God's hand was going to protect him. I know it's a baby girl, but God's hand is going to protect him all the days of his life because the world that he was being born into was crazy. Church hypocrisy. Church immorality. No difference between Israel and God was so tolerant that the light was still on in the tabernacle. But the word was precious means God wasn't speaking. Very few prophets talking. The word was very limited. It's like precious, precious gold. Just to get a true word from God was rare. You got to be thankful when you can hear the voice of God. The Bible says it came a day that they did not. The Bible says in the, in the air, the lamp of God. It was the night that the lights went out in Shiloh. The illumination in the tabernacle. The power and the anointing in the house of God wasn't there. I just want to stop and say we don't have time for dead, boring, dry church services. We don't have time for, for the church to become like every other, every other sect or every other meeting group in society. It's the last hour. We don't have time to go to church and feel no power and not feel the presence and not hear a word and not see the goodness and the graciousness of God. We need the illumination of His Am I preaching to anybody? We need the power of God among us. We need God to move among us. Come on, how many want the prophets to prophesy? How many want the preachers to preach? How many want the prayer warriors to pray? Jump to your feet and clap your hands and say, we're ready for revival. We're ready for revival. I believe he was 12. You can be seated. Thank you, Brother Tyler, Sister Hannah, Baby Rain. Let's give them a hand. Aren't we so thankful they're here? First service. I'm going to bring it to a close, but listen to Pastor. I'm going to bring it to a close, but listen to me right now. Adversity was there. She dropped Samuel off the house of God, and the Bible says that when she brought him, you don't see much about Samuel at this moment. 
The Bible tells us that when she brought him to the house of God, chapter 2, verse 1 says, And Hannah prayed. Look at your neighbor and say, Mama, keep praying. The day he stopped your tongue is the day he's got you. She's dropping him off, but she kept on praying. She starts praying and speaking in powerful worship at this moment. And she said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horns is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Come on, how many moms in the building can pray that? Somebody shout, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth, open up your mouth and say, my mouth enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Neither is there any rock like our God. I'm telling you, I know I'm preaching the word, but there's a prophetic touch of God. It is going to be all right. Come on, if I'm preaching to anybody right now that wants it, you ought to get on your feet and shout, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Remain standing. Remain standing. I'm, 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 I'm finishing. You have to be willing to grow. And the Bible tells us in verses after she prayed and she leaves him there at the house of God. And the Bible tells us in verse 11, and the child didn't minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. He was doing his job. Verse 12 says, now the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. But he ministered even though those around him were not. Somebody say amen. The Bible says, where, verse 17, Wherefore the sin of, this, of, of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Everybody say, but Samuel. Ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. It goes on and says, And the child Samuel grew, verse 21. Everybody say, he grew. Everything around him was not right, but he grew. Everything around him was a mess, but he grew. Everything around him was against what he was doing, but he grew. And I realize there's been several thousand churches in America to close in the last few years because there's pressure. There's been hard times. But I submit to you, the church is still going to grow with the opposition that is all around it. I come to tell some couple, I come to tell some marriages, your marriage can grow when the divorce rate is at an all-time high. Your children can flourish when there's chaos at an all-time high. Oh, I wish there was a hearty amen in this building. You can live morally even when immorality is an all-time high. I mean, oh, God has caused us to grow in the midst of adversity. Somebody shout yes. How many want to grow? Or do you want to fall into the trap of the enemy of silence? Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yes, I have. I've been there to where I didn't feel like it was good enough to speak because of pressure. But Paul said in the book of Acts, through much tribulation, somebody shout, through much tribulation, shall ye inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that means? Through much pressure. How many would, how many would stay with me today 
you would agree with me, there's, there's a lot of pressure today. Financial pressure, peer pressure, cultural pressure, marriage pressure. Because culture, can't tell you how many times I've had people in my office said I went, went to town and had a meeting and people in, in, in government positions said we need to get divorced and just live together. Pressure, because that's what the economy produces, promotes. Pressure to not be committed. Well, you're saying, Pastor, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to grow this church like we've never grown before. Have you noticed every prophet that comes through here stops and prophesies? God's going to send rain to Zanesville camp meeting this year. Every prophet comes through. Brother Huckabee, he said, God's getting ready to double the anchor church. Just two weeks ago, God's getting ready to double the anchor. I'm going to tell you right now, because it doesn't matter what the world is saying and culture is doing, you can thrive in the midst of adversity. But you've got to be committed to it. What do you do when everything around you is falling apart? The Bible says he ministered unto the Lord. What do you do when you pray and you don't feel anything? Pray. How many of you ever worshiped and sang a song and you didn't feel anything? You know I'm telling you the truth. How many of you ever told your wife you love them and they didn't respond? Don't raise your hand, amen. How many of you ever said something to your spouse? And, because there's moments. Just because you haven't felt heaven doesn't mean heaven's not with you. Hallelujah. And the trick of the enemy is to get your eyes of what he called you to and what he promised you'll have. And get you to see everything that's falling around you. Psalms 91. Hallelujah. Y'all feel such the urge in the spirit? How many can feel that with pastor this morning? How many feel the passion? I'm not talking about my passion. I'm talking about the passion of the spirit. The Bible says, see, he showed himself alive after his passion. Christ was passionate like no other. The Bible says in Psalms 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. He goes on to say, and he said, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. He said the world was going to deal with their godlessness what goes with it but you're going to flourish you're going to thrive I realize people in the church can make decisions that can take them out of the blessing of the Lord but we're not going to change what we do because they left we're not going to change what we do because they fell away uh -uh. what we're going to do we're going to keep the father's house the father's house and they wake up and they come home to what they left amen they're coming home they're coming home I believe the altars are going to be filled from one side to the other. I remember revival in 2008 and 2009. For whatever reason, I'd start working the altars. I'd be on this side. There would be, there would be so many brand new people. By the time I got to here, by the time I got to here, there were people going back to their seats. We didn't have enough altar workers to pray everybody through. We saw 500 filled with the Spirit, 350 baptized in one year. I'm going to tell you, it's about to happen again. It's about to happen again. They're coming home. 
how, how do we see it happen? I'm going to tell you. You send a signal. You send a signal, God, I'm going to grow. And every, every devil in hell starts fearing. Doesn't mean there's not going to be attacks and darts of the enemy, but the shield of faith. Oh, no, God's going to take care of me. I wish somebody would open your mouth. I don't care if you can't feel it. I want you to open your mouth and say, God is going to fix it. God is about to turn my situation around. I wish you'd raise your hand just like this. Raise it in there and say, God's about to turn my situation around. Come on, do it one more time. Say, God is about to turn my situation around. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. There was distrust of ministry in that moment when he came in. The Bible, but the Bible says he grew on and he gained favor with God and people. God was going to use him to restore Israel. There's going to be a revival of the restoration of ministry, the restoration of faith in the house of God, the restoration of faith. I can see it as clear as crystal. There's going to be arenas filled with people that have come back to God. We saw a hint of that at the college this year. Tens of thousands came from all over to pray and feel the presence of God. Everybody shout, it's going to happen again. Lift your hands right now and say, I want to be right with the Lord. Come on, don't you give up. I told you at the beginning of the message. Don't give up. Believe. Don't you give up. Believe. For God is going to make a way. God's going to bring you and your family back to the things that were most important to you at a point in your life. (laughs) He's going to restore love and trust. Come on, Samuel, I preach to you today. You can grow in the midst of adversity. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody all over the building praying. Open your mouth. At this moment, do not let the devil keep you silent. Open your mouth and tell the Lord, God, I I can't go back. I need you. I need you. Hallelujah. If you do not give up, you're going to see the prayers that you prayed answered. Now here's what we're going to do. Because there is a witness of the Spirit that is here. I'll never forget the service that I said. If you need a miracle, come with your hands raised. And a lady by the name of Jay got out of her seat. She had scoliosis of the spine, very crooked, been in pain 15 years. She raised her hands. By the time she got here, God had straightened her spine perfectly. I feel that same way with a situation in your life. If you want God to turn some things around, I wouldn't wait on anybody else. I'd step out of your seat and make your way to the house. Wait, make your way to the altar. Come on. Just like your family's going to when they come. I'd make your way as close as you come to the house of the Lord, to the altar of God. Just say, today I submit myself to you. Today I give you the situation that I'm dealing with. Come on, there's a revival. He's waiting on you to commit to growth. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.